1: A few years ago, my parents moved back to Somalia from Canada, living in the capital city Mokdisho for the first time in nearly 30 years since the Civil War. Being away from one another was an adjustment for us as we had to consciously decide to stay connected. But to be honest, keeping in touch was something my parents already knew how to do. If the war taught them anything, it's how to love from a distance how to care from afar for loved ones scattered across continents. Since my parents moved back to Muqtisho, we were made to learn the subtle art of calling to make sure that they're all right. Muqtisho is home, but it's often unaccommodating, not always dangerous, but not always safe either. When an explosion occurs in the city, there is this uncertain feeling that I'm still learning how to manage. As a family, we've had a few close calls, times when we were wavering on the edge of tragedy, and it's made me a worrier. Worry is all-consuming, because it requires both of your hands. When it comes, it's all that you can carry. Nuruddin learned this uncertainty when he left Somalia decades ago to study abroad. As the Somali civil war erupted in his absence, his way of communicating with loved ones back home suddenly dissolved.
2: It is the biggest gift that you could get because it's the whole family talking to you, keeping you company. And it used to be very emotional.
1: Today we're continuing our conversation about letter tapes. Cassette tapes people would send over long distances to keep in contact with family and friends. After the Somali civil war, letter tapes became valuable keepsakes of the country before the war. In our last episode with Nadifa Mohamed, we delved into what it meant to find letter tapes, but we didn't explore what it meant to actually create these tapes or to preserve them in exile. You're listening to On Things We Left Behind, a podcast by me, Sarah Al Qasim Mohamed. And my sister Surer, that traces the hidden afterlives of war on those who lived through it and on those who make sense of it in the aftermath. This episode of On Things We Left Behind is The Tapes That Bind Part Two. We're speaking to Nuruddin Dirié about recording letter tapes before the Somali Civil War and what they mean to him now, all these many years later. As we said on the previous episode, you won't be listening to the tapes today, but we'll show you the world. That the tapes made possible. Nuruddin Diria left Somalia before the civil war in 1991, but his memories of his youth in Mogadishu, the country's capital, are crystal clear.
2: As a young person growing up, I remember how Somalia was very peaceful, how Mogadishu was very. Uh, delightful how we could walk down the beach at 2 a.m., 3 a.m. without fear of anything. I remember how the country was full of energy.
1: You'd be surprised how attached you can get to minute details, how trivial things become vivid memories when they vanish. But it's the quiet moments, the daily mundane practices that remain
2: intact. I remember uh, every morning going to school, being energized by the national student song.
1: The national song speaks of students as flowers of the nation, striving for the advancement of Somalia, he cherishes this song now because it reminds him of a time before exile, an exile that began unknowingly when he went abroad for international study at the cusp of adulthood.
2: I was 18 years old when I, when I went abroad. It was very difficult. You'll miss home. You'll feel homesick.
1: Homesickness is like a tide. It comes and goes in successive waves. Nuruddin was a part of this upwardly mobile generation of Somalis that went everywhere for schooling. Italy, India, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, the Soviet Union. This was a generation of people who knew homesickness keenly. In those days, letter tapes were the antidote for that homesickness. For Nuruddin, they were a way back to the familiar.
2: Letter tapes are those audio cassettes that... People used to record as letters and send to family and loved ones who are outside uh, Somalia. It means a lot to me because it used to not only tell you the information and uh, give you the latest update of what's happening in the family, but it was like um, a social event.
1: As described in our previous discussion with Nadiva, letter tapes are cassette tapes sent between family members to bridge long distances. Where telephone was scarce or expensive, letter tapes were accessible, and letter tapes were permanent, so you could listen to your family's messages again and again.
2: Not only individual families will be recording some messages for you, but at times they will gather around, you know, some social setting like a dinner table that will transport your life into your family's dinner table. So that was like you're not away from them. So it, it, meant, it meant a company for me. It meant an information for me. It meant hearing the voices and emotions and of your own family.
1: These letter tapes were more than a vehicle for words. They had the ability to bring family conversations to life.
2: Oh my God, it, it had a huge emotions. When uh, you miss the family, you could go back to those audio tapes and listen to them, and voila, you're back in the family room.
1: You can hear the light chatter from a distant room, the bustle of city life passing by the window, the clang of pots and pans as dinner was prepared, then plated,
2: then washed away. Actually, you will have a very clear idea of where the whole family, when they're talking, are sitting. So you can envision that person sitting in his favorite place in the house. You can see that person talking, and if it's a dinner table, you could hear them munching through (laughs) whatever they're eating. You can even tell what sort of a meal they're having, and they will talk about it.
1: Letter tapes were personal, intimate. So when Nuruddin finally got them through the post, or from visiting a friend, they felt like a present.
2: It is the biggest gift that you could get because it's the whole family talking to you, keeping you company. And it used to be very emotional.
1: There's something powerful about listening to a person's voice. Through it, you can hear every little inflection and shift in tone. You can hear what's being said and what's left unsaid. And during that time in Somalia, there was a lot left unset. From 1969 to 1991, Somalia was ruled by a single-party ruler, and information was tightly controlled.
2: During the military times, of course, there was a dictatorship and everything, all letters, used to be censored. So there was a risk of not saying anything that could politically compromise you. But in the Audio tapes they could say whatever they wanted and authorities will not bother going through all of them. So it it meant enough information, real information.
1: As a student so far away from home, Nuruddin relied on letter tapes to hear his parents' voices, but he had no idea how much they would mean to him until the letters stopped.
2: When the Civil War erupted, it was like The whole world was shut off.
1: The civil war that broke out in the capital, Muqtishev, in 1991, destroyed the infrastructure that connected people to their loved ones across the world. For Nuruddin, this meant that he stopped receiving letter tapes altogether. The lifeline between him and his family was cut. When we talk about war... We often think of what war means to those who had to flee, or who had to endure it firsthand. We imagine people running to the shore, climbing into boats, wading towards uncertain futures. But there are other stories of war. For people like Nuruddin, who were abroad when the violence broke out, his war story was about looking from the outside in, a very unique kind of helplessness. Nur ad searched for information, but there was little to be found. Sometimes, what's worse than having no information at all is having wrong information. He was watching the news, wondering what happened, and fearing for the worst.
2: The atrocities, the amount of people that being killed, the amount of people who left the country, the amount of people who drowned in the the high seas.
1: Rumors and half-truths prosper when people are desperate for something to hold on to desperate to know whether they should mourn or keep on hoping. In times like this, your imagination is absolutely your worst enemy.
2: All those information that you're getting from Somalia, but not receiving a single information from your family, you don't know whether they are part of that statistics, you don't know whether they're alive, you don't know where they are.
1: The information from his classmates wasn't helping. In the context of survival, people tend to only make the effort to tell you the tragic news.
2: What also made it even worse was that I had some Somali students with me and they were receiving information, some of them terrible information, that members of their family. It was a very difficult period. People don't normally appreciate how difficult it would be for people who were not in the conflict of the time and the difficulties they were going through
1: for nuruddin this was a time of speculation and uncertainty
2: your worry and anxiety levels will will quadruple because you will run through all possible worst scenarios through your mind saying that is that what possibly happened to them i can tell you it was pure pure agony
1: When the world seems to be cut off from you, there's a helplessness to being removed from more. For Nuruddin, the time without contact lasted two years, 104 weeks to imagine the worst and hope for the best. There was a partition between Nuruddin and the world he once knew. The distance, although it always existed, became real for the first time. And every week that passed in the silence, grew more and more agonizing. As slowly as those months went by, it might as well have been a lifetime. There was this irreducible fact. He was here, and they were there. For the first time in his life, but certainly not the last, Nuruddin was in exile. The letter that broke Nuruddin's solitude arrived six months after it had first been dispatched. It passed through many hands before it reached Nuruddin.
2: And and I remember the first time that I've I've reconnected with my family. I got a a letter from my father through the Red Cross to tell me about what happened and where the rest of my family are. And that is the time, the first time, uh, I found out anything about what happened to my family. A lot of them left the country they were in different places. My father was in one place, my mother was in another, my brothers and sisters were all in all corners of the neighboring countries.
1: While that single letter ended Nuruddin's solitude, the mark of that uncertain time remains. While others experienced war as a loud explosion and the crack of gunfire, Nuruddin's war was completely silent, a deeply corrupted silence. It's been many years since Nuruddin used to exchange letter tapes with his family. He's since digitized them for safekeeping and returns to them from time to time. During those two years of silence, the Somalia of his youth had fallen apart. So now, the letter tapes take him back to that time.
2: All those memories comes back. When you listen to this piece of history from that period, you will transport yourself back into where you were yourself when you received these letters also. And of course, it will mean something different to you now.
1: Nuruddin's letter tapes are now the precious few remnants of a place undone. They capture a family as it was before the war, and a society before it fell to pieces.
2: It is a part of family history. The more I listen to them, the more they, they, they gain in value.
1: And with the passage of time, family and friends also pass away. Sometimes, the tapes are Nuruddin's only way of hearing the voices of the people who recorded them.
2: You could still hear the voice of my late father every time that I miss him. I, I can go back and listen to him and hear his voices and, you know, his, his, his emotions, his, his jokes.
1: Nuruddin draws lessons for each phase of his life as he listens to the letter tapes. Now, as a father with children, he learns lessons that eluded him as a university student. He built a whole new relationship with these precious artifacts.
2: Sometimes, in a very curious way, it acts as a, as a training for you as a parent. When you listen to those tapes, it's not only the content within the tape that you will, you, you will remember or bring to your, to your memory. The whole memory and the experience and the relationship you have with your father comes alive suddenly.
1: For Dean, letter tapes have become family heirlooms and national archives. There's something tangible that he can give down to his children to help them understand the past.
2: Children of this age, they don't see this to be valuable and they think it's a very ancient piece of, of history which doesn't relate to them. But I'm sure as they grow up, they will appreciate this as a family history as well.
1: Like the letter tapes that Nuruddin possesses, Nuruddin's memory is a wealth of information. He left Somalia before the Civil War and has now returned. For him, memory is critical to reconstruction. It's only through the remembrance of histories of pain and progress that we can design a better future for ourselves.
2: But it is part of a beautiful journey of your life that you've gone through, a very intense, maybe, journey of your life you've gone through that you, you will remember. Memory will motivate you. It tells you that it's possible. You know, memory tells you what is, what is possible.
1: Thanks for listening to another episode of On Things We Left Behind with me, Ceredo, and my sister, Surer. This series was produced by Lucy Hunt for Listen Entertainment and is the winner of the LaunchPod 2019 competition with Listen Entertainment and Acast. On the next episode, The Parts We Don't Share, we're speaking to Alice Musebende about making sense of your story to yourself and to the world. The first sort of consequence of this telling of the story is that you're relieving it as you say it, you know and so you have to deal with the aftermath of that story For more episodes find us on Acast or wherever you find your podcasts See you next time